0: you, it's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, Merry Christmas. How's everybody doing? Merry Christmas. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here, and it's an honor to have you gathering with us in person and online. It's such a joy to gather with you on Christmas Eve, and I am so excited hopefully to share a little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement with you this evening. I don't know where you're walking in on your spiritual journey. I don't know where you're walking in on this week. I don't know if this has been an incredibly encouraging week and you're loving time with family and friends and the holidays. This might be a really, really hard season. The season might represent loss. The season might represent frustration. The season might just be a really, really big heartache because there's no snow to ski on. I don't know where you're walking in, but I want you to know you are loved, safe, and welcome here. And my, my prayer has been for you tonight that this this will be a space of encouragement for you, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey. And, and I want to share some words with you that might be familiar to you, even if you've never like, been around you know, Jesus in the church or you know, you're know, you kind of new to some of these conversations. These are words you've probably heard somewhere in Luke chapter 2. Let me show them to you. They'll be on the screen for you. Luke chapter 2, angels show up, and they have this incredible declaration on the front end of the Christmas story. And the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. That was if you, if you missed the video, that would have been really weird, but hopefully you got that. I think that video is hilarious. The city of David, right? So, so we've all got different stories, but what's amazing when I read these words is, is in my mind, I immediately ask the question, is it really? Is, is it really good news? Does it really bring great joy? Is it really for all people? And you have to understand that when this show was arriving on the scene, it was a big question because good news for one category of people normally meant bad news for somebody else. It wasn't normally good news for everyone good news for the romans meant bad news for everybody else and vice versa this was a very new concept to all of the hearers on the front end end of this presentation and again i don't know where you're walking in on your spiritual journey maybe you find yourself in this in this space today or you or you know someone who finds themselves in this space and there's kind of this resistance to you know jesus and christianity like okay maybe it's a good holiday and maybe it's you know a good story but does it actually have any bearing on my life and so we start asking the questions like is it even true like, okay, there's good news, great joy for all, but is it even, is it true? And, and listen, you're smart people, you know, like, like if you are asking those questions or you have a friend that asks those questions, you're like, man, is it even true? You've got good reasons, and you have your, your, your reasons for why you're asking that, and, and I totally get it, but, but I think what's important that you and I wrestle with as we kind of celebrate Christmas together is not just asking the question, is it true, but specifically, is it true? And, and I'd ask you tonight to wrestle with this, that what is the it that you've been presented with? What is the it that maybe you've heard from others? What is the it that you have come to assume or come to learn that you think that you have to embrace to become a Christian? What is the it that gets in your way when it comes to like a little bit of resistance around the Christmas story and the Christmas message and being a Christian? What is that it for you if you find yourself in that space? And and the reason I asked that question is for many, many people, the Bible has been the it that they struggle with. There's this like, you know, book that we gotta wrestle with. And I just want you to know that the Bible is a bad it to start with and wrestle with because there were tens of thousands of Christians before the Bible ever even existed as we know it today. And so if you've been just presented with this idea that you've got to embrace the the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, whatever that means for you in order to be a Jesus follower, I want you to know that that's not a really good starting place. That's not a good it to wrestle with because the Bible, listen, I, I don't know where you're walking in, but the Bible did not create Christianity. I don't know if you knew that or not. The Bible did not create Christianity, but it was actually the other way around. And that's not to discredit the value of, of the scriptures, by the way. I believe them wholeheartedly. But where your starting point is matters in this conversation. But again, maybe you're not just wrestling with is it true. Maybe a more important that you, the question that you and I wrestle with is, is it good? Is it good for me? Is it good for my family? Is it good for, for, for my community? Is it good for our nation? Is it good for the world? Because quite frankly, some of you have been exposed to less than good versions, haven't you? You look at some of that and you're like, I'm not so sure that is good for my kids or my family or my neighborhood. Because, man, even if it is true, is it good? Now, let me ask you this question. When you hear news that's not good, what happens? In your mind, when you hear news that's not good, you hope it's not true, right? Everybody with me? Right? If you, if you find out that Santa Claus caught a stomach bug tonight and he wasn't going to be able to make his round trip around the world, that is, we hope that's not true, Right? Everybody's watching their Santa trackers and we're keeping an eye on it, right? If you found out that Amazon was no longer going to be Prime and they're going to start charging for, you hope that's not true, got to go back to the mall. Oh no, what am I going to do if we found out that Disney Plus was no longer going to be Disney Plus? It was just going to be Disney. They're taking away the plus. You don't even know what that means, but you hope it's not true. When we hear bad news, we hope that it's not true. And the opposite is also true. When you hear good news, what happens? You lean in. You hope it's true. In fact, even before you know it's true, even if you're unsure if it's true, when you hear good news, you likely lean in hoping it's true. If I told you that REI is giving away a $1,000 shopping spree to the first 10 people in the door the day after Christmas, then all of us are showing up ready to mob somebody, right? I mean, we're so, that's good news. We're hoping that it's true. It's not true, by the way. Don't show up at REI the day after Christmas. Here's my point. Just because it's good, doesn't mean it's true. And just because I hope it's true, doesn't mean it's true. And my point in all of this is that when you hear something good, even if you're unsure if it's true, there's something inside of you that hopes that it's true. You guys with me on this? This Christmas announcement was of good news of great joy for all people. And, and this is how it was described on the front end of this. It was such good news that they all got together and they're like, man, how do we how do we describe this incredible news of great joy for the whole world? And they got super creative. And they called it good news. <laughs> They're like, this is the best we got because that's, that's what, exactly what it is. Here's, here's why I, I, I say this, guys. If it's good news of great joy for all people, then why is there resistance? Right? Like, like because we naturally lean into good news, then why isn't everyone leaning in? Why isn't everyone in, in our community, in our family, in our world, in our nation, why isn't everyone leaning in if it really is good news? And I think maybe one of the reasons that we don't always lean in is because we've been been faced with a version that doesn't exactly give us the picture of the original version. That we're told it's good news, but we were given a version that doesn't exactly line up with what Jesus actually came to bring. Because the original version was incredible news. And the reason I present this for you and I today is because hopefully there's something in our hearts that causes us to lean in when there really is good news. And so maybe if you're not, if you find yourself not leaning in, if you find yourself kind of just a resistance in your heart, or this is an obligation, you got drug here, or you know, whatever you find yourself in on your spiritual journey, if there's resistance, then maybe it's because you've not heard the original version. And so if you walked away from faith, if you're thinking about walking away, if you got your hand, along, your hand on, the, on the doorknob, just kind of waiting to sneak out of here, and just stay with me for a minute, because it's heartbreaking that so many people are actually leaning away, because they think that Christianity, they think that the invitation from Jesus is not good news, and so maybe you or someone that you know has come in contact with a version of faith that was not good news and it felt judgmental and it maybe felt even hypocritical and it kind of felt stiff and lifeless and, and it was full of rules and regulations and expectations primarily, primarily around like, like behavior modification and there was no joy and no fun and you're like, even if it is true, I'm not sure I want that. And by the way, listen, if you walked away or stayed away from faith because you came in, into contact with a version that was less than good news, can I just extend, extend an apology to you? That it's not your fault that you came in, into contact with something that wasn't the original version that Jesus came to bring? Here's what Jesus said about his good news in Luke 16. Let me show you on the, on the screen here. Jesus said, until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the message of the prophets were your guides. He's talking about the, what we call the Old Testament today. There's a set of rules and, and, and uh, guidelines to follow. But he says, but now, now that I'm on the scene, now that God is in a bod... But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in. Jesus said that everyone is pushing their way in to this good news. Everyone is leaning in. And what Jesus is trying to get at is that when you and I understand what what he's saying, when we understand who he says God is, when we understand what God is like and what God is actually offering, we're going to want it to be true. And so if you find yourself in a place where you you don't want it to be true and you're leaning away, if, if you find yourself up against a version where it's not good, then maybe you missed the original version because the original version was compelling. The original version was so compelling, it was worth telling over and over and over again. And so here's something unique about the Jesus story that, that I'd like to present with you tonight as you celebrate with us. In the first century, to have your story told, to have an account written down of your life was incredibly expensive. And so the only stories that we have from the first century are of really rich people because they could afford to pay for their stories to be written. And they also had the ability while they're alive to edit their stories to make sure only the good stuff made it into the stories. Right? If you're writing a story about yourself, you're making sure it looks really, really, really good. And so it's amazing that Jesus, this poor nobody from nowhere, who never wrote anything, only had a public gig for like three years out of the 33 that he was on the planet. It's amazing that this nobody from nowhere, it's remarkable that we have not just one, but multiple accounts of the life of Jesus. And Luke, a doctor, a physician, tells us this in Luke chapter one. And by the way, this is not fairy tale. this is historical narrative. What I love about this is scholars agree and verify the authenticity of Luke's writings, even if they don't believe that they're true? Luke chapter 1, he says, many people. How many is many? I don't know, but it's more than a few. You guys with me? Many people. He's trying to get it across. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early Disciples he takes a minute. and He says listen. There are so many accounts of the life of Jesus You got to ask the question why are there so many something significant happened something good happened And whatever your version is It was good It was all good for everyone and Luke is excited about the work that he's doing to tell us about it And he says it's not just my opinion We're circulating eyewitness accounts bringing them all together as if Luke is saying fact check me bro This is not something I'm making up. This is not a fairy tale And in verse three, he says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also, I too, as in I'm not the only one who has done this, but I have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. We don't know who this is, but odds are this is the guy paying for all the work. This is a Jesus follower who's very wealthy, paying for the documented life of Jesus. Verse four, and he says this, so you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. For Luke, it was so compelling, it was worth telling. And he had no idea that the work he was doing in that moment would make it into the room that you and I are sitting in. But you've got to ask the question, all this work, all these resources, how good was it? I mean, I mean how, how good was it in order to, to, to show up and, and have all of this work? It was so good that when Jesus shows up, he would say things like he could forgive sin. That's why the angels called him not not just a rabbi, not just a teacher, not just a religious leader, but a savior. And he would offer forgiveness of sin, listen to this, ahead of time. There was an answer for the stuff that you and I do, but Jesus showed up and he would offer forgiveness of sin ahead of time, which was so radical because everyone in that world said, wait, 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 you've got to pay for that. We have a system for that. There's all these steps that you have to go through. You have to, you know, make sure you go to church this many times and read the Bible this much and give a little bit of money this way. And there's all these rules that you have to make sure you follow in order to get that check mark. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay for it. And I think one of the reasons is there's resistance in our heart. As soon as we start showing up, you're like, well, that doesn't sound like good news because I reject that idea of sin altogether. I think one of the reasons there's sometimes resistance in our hearts to what Jesus came to do, But one of the reasons that this good news is not so compelling on the front end is we don't understand what sin is. We have these made up ideas of what we've been told. But for Jesus, when he talked about sin, he connected it, both in our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. That Jesus would talk about sin as, it, as hurting another person, hurting another human being that God loves, a person made in God's image. And so when Jesus talked about sin, of those things that you and I do that we know we shouldn't have done towards somebody else. The so things we should have done and we didn't do. The things we wish we could not, you know, we could take back and not say. When he, when he talks about sin, it's toward another person. He says, when you sin against your brother and your sister, you sin against the God who made them. Jesus connects it all together and he says, this is a problem. And, and, and listen, here's the deal. Listen, I don't know where you're walking in, but we all fall short of our own standards What's ironic is like, we don't even meet our own standards of expectation, much less the other people around us and much less God's. And so Jesus shows up and he says, hey, I can forgive that. Whether you want to call it stuff or mistakes or sin, it doesn't matter what you call it, but there's definitely something. And you and I try and try. We just can't always get it right. And here's the amazing thing. This was, was so disturbing to his first century hearers is that this invitation was for anyone no matter where they were, no matter what they've done, no matter where they find themselves. And what makes the good news so good is that you and I are are not so good, that we have to find ourselves in a space of of recognizing that we don't have it all together, and Jesus came to do something about it. As Daniel comes, and we're going to continue our service together, I just want to help you reflect on some of these, these things for a minute. Because for most people... Christianity stops, this, this invitation, it stops at be good, be a good person. And so one of the reasons that maybe you've walked away or that you're skeptical or you're, you, know, you just can't wait till the service is over is because you've experienced faith, you've experienced this frustration of watching someone believe in Jesus and not follow Jesus. But Jesus didn't just invite us to be good, but to do good. And not just a normal good that you and I are used to, the normal kind of average good that we see across our everyday lives, but it was a different kind of good. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to do good like this. Look at this, Luke chapter 6. She said, you want to follow me, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? He says, that, that's, that's normal love. I mean, that, that's nothing special. But who lives like this it's easy to love others who love you. That, that brand is not unique. But he says, I, I tell you, love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And, and you're asking, why would I ever do that? That makes no sense. And what Jesus says next would would make the crowd gasp. They'd stop what they're doing. They'd be floored. They'd be amazed they'd be disturbed, because what Jesus says next, no one had a category for. What Jesus is setting, us, setting up is, I'm about to tell you something about God that you have never heard before, and here's what Jesus says. He goes on, and he says, then your reward will be great, and you will be like children of the most He says, when you love like this, when you live like this, when you engage with others like this, he says, the reason we do that is because that's what your heavenly Father is like. He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And so Jesus says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And, and, And this is so brand new for them. And this is so amazing for me, that that's what God is like. Because you know what, I I mean, that's me. I've, I've been ungrateful, that's me, I've been wicked. This is good news for me because that is me. And listen, if you grew up on a version of anything other than God being merciful, if it was less than good news, and that was wrong. Now I need you to hear this last part. That this good news was incredibly good news to the unrighteous, those who knew they didn't have it all together. The people that knew that they weren't all that good, this was incredible news. But to the self-righteous, to the religious leaders and to the religious elite, this news was incredibly threatening because they thought that they had it all together. And this can be confusing for you and I at times, because we've seen how, how some people act when they say they're followers of Jesus, and they don't look like some of that. And one of the reasons that you and I struggle with the message of Christianity, and to believe it and to embrace it, is because too many Christians have been content to believe something in their head, and not follow, which Jesus doesn't separate the two. And so I just need you to know this, that when it comes to following Jesus, there are no self-righteous Jesus followers. Why? Luke chapter 2, we looked at it earlier. We'll end with this passage. The angel says, I bring you good news. It's gonna be great joy to all people because the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, because that's what we needed. Listen, our sins, our stuff, our mistakes, they might be different, but we've all got that stuff that we're wrestling with. We've all tried to fix ourselves and we can't. And the the playing field is simply level in this conversation. We all fall short and we all need goodness. And Jesus didn't send us a second chance. He didn't send us five more commandments, but God, his father sent Jesus a savior because that's what we need. Jesus out of his mouth said that the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said that God was good. And when Jesus showed up on the planet, he took all of our ungood and put it on himself so that we could have access to God as a good father. And so is it good? Is it good news for you? Can it bring great joy? Can it be for all people? Can it be for me? Can it be for you? Maybe the reason there's been resistance is because you haven't heard the original version. But the people closest to Jesus were convinced that they met good personified. They met good in a body. They met God in a body and they recorded it for us and for you and for me to bring great news, good news of great joy for all people. And so maybe you've heard this a thousand times. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time and maybe today it's hitting differently for the first time. Maybe it is good. Maybe it is true. Maybe it is for you. Jesus changed my life at 15 years old and he can do the same for you. Maybe today you're more aware than ever of your need, not for a list of rules, not for religious behavior, but for a savior. Not a second chance, not a try to do better, not a try a little harder, but a decision to trust in and follow Jesus. So I'm gonna pray for you, and then we're gonna continue to sing together. Will you bow your heads with me? As you bow your heads and close your eyes, this is just a moment of privacy for you and I. You don't have to worry about what else is going on in the room. But maybe you're here tonight and you've never had a moment where you said, Jesus, I I believe that you died for my sin. I believe you rose again. That you brought good news so that I can know you. And maybe for the first time today in your heart and your mind, you say, man, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. I want you to save me and set me free. And maybe in this moment, in your own heart and mind, you would pray and ask him to do that. And I'd simply give you the encouragement tonight. But if you do that in your heart and mind today, sitting where you are, you can have confidence that that good news is for you. And you'll never be the same. So Jesus, we give you this evening. Use the songs to stir our hearts, to move us toward decision. Allow it to to move us toward reflection on our lives. That despite our circumstances, we find ourselves face-to-face with good news that can cultivate and bring great joy. And not only is it for all people, but it's for me, it's for us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.